Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Yeah, no, I, I'm just saying with your with your uh, level of insurance, since I know you're not that pumped about it, I'm sure it's just sort of like a mammogram ATM machine. Yeah, like it's probably like not even manned by a by a physician. You see you know, ATM? Female, I anything. think it's like a de- do-it-yourself car wash. You know interesting like you go in and they like there's some fumbling instructions that's like put your titty on the plate here and like wait wait for the green light to turn to red (laughs) (laughs) or or like when you go to like hertz rent a car and the person's just on a screen on the like how may i help you (laughs) today first we need your right tit then we need your left tit talk about a hertz donut I'm awake and uh, I'm I'm welcoming you to Sidework Podcast, guys. Hi, I'm your host, Andrea Wallace. And I'm your host, Brooke Van Poplin. Um, hey, we had such a great write-up in LA Magazine. <gasps> I know! It was so great. Guys, Thank you, LA Magazine, uh, for and f- speaking our truth. Absolutely, and thank you all of you. Like, you guys are the reason that we have that truth to speak. Uh, this isn't like a just Andrea and I trying to lap up recognition. We feel like it's a big win for service industry workers in general. And I, like more and more headlines, which we're going to discuss in a minute here, are really bringing to the forefront that workers are like, God damn us. God damn it. We want a $15 an hour minimum. And then you also tip us. Yep. This is crazy. And this can be a new normal, everyone. Like, wake up to it, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Before we jump into that, you were out of the, the state. You flew away. You went away. Yes. Yes. Some. I mean, there were definitely some shenanigans. All right. I have one quick story. And I can tell you, I, I do really think servers are sort of at their at the end of their ropes in many ways. But yeah, Sean and I were looking for a lunch spot at a kind of odd time during the day. And we went to this sort of brewery or whatever. Beautiful day, patio seating. Uh, still plenty of people at the space. And first of all, I walked in. The host was so unhappy to see me. Um, you could tell like she was definitely caught between like a big party indoors, a messy patio outdoors. And it's been a minute since I've I've caught a little bit of that attitude where she's like, yeah, all the tables are dirty. Um, 
but sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you could sit outside. And I was like, okay. She's like, I'm going to have to put you on a weight so I can go clean. I was like, I, I get it. I, I came in so I wouldn't be the asshole who sits at a dirty table. She's like, you, you, know you don't know what I've seen. You don't know what I've seen. I know. I know. So we were kind of like, oh, this is weird. And then, you know, where you try not to get into those mental mind games, but you're like, okay, two people who walked in after us just got taken to a table and you're like, all right, I'm going to want one more minute and then I'm just going to have to maybe say something. So then another server brings us to the table she cleaned off and it's the only one without an umbrella. And I was just like, oh, you know, is it okay? Like we were just hoping to, you know, sit under the umbrella or could this umbrella be moved to this table, whatever. Or can you add one? Like there were umbrellas lined up against whatever. And so then while we're talking to her, this huge gust of wind picks up and flips the entire table, the dirty table with the umbrella into the parking lot. So the glasses, the dishes, the half eaten food, all the silverware just smash into the parking lot. And the host comes running out, all the servers, and we're like, oh, gosh, whoa, sorry, sorry, sorry. And then she's just like, I I'm sorry, we're closed to me. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? You know, like there were other tables and she's like, um, umbrellas are just too dangerous. This has been happening. I, 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 sorry, we don't have any tables. And then basically was like, go home. <laughs> It was very weird. Sean and I were really hungry, too. And we're like, what's happening? Aww. I guess we have to leave. But like, I didn't flip like the wind flipped the table over. And she's like, I I just can't do this. She should have just said, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and, and everybody would have like, been like had a moment together and you would have been like you would have been like take my card <laughs> yeah, I can help I know it, <laughs> uh, let, here's here's a drink on me you know but instead everyone else kept eating they were definitely not closed and Sean and I like were like okay bye and it was really awkward because our car was parked in the parking lot right in front of the table <laughs> so we were like I know That's we so were just like weird. Oh man, it was just they. It had a tell, day. Like, yeah. Um. Well, you guys, let's hop into some just a little bit of top of show. You guys, just remember, you can go check out all the shows that we offer you now at One Star Network. Um. If you like us, hey guys share share your experience with a friend if you love us or any of the new shows you're listening to pay it forward we know you guys love a call to action especially when it comes to farts and jars so when it comes exactly. to sharing how much you love us or any of the other shows please do us a favor get us out there spread the word you know the more we're out there the better the better for everybody i, I think personally. absolutely yeah and you can check out our, our social media is One Star Podcast Network on Instagram and check out all of those podcasts that are on our network and just give them all a subscribe. You know, if you haven't listened yet, don't rate and review because that's not the truth. But you can subscribe. <laughs> and uh, once you do listen and enjoy, like this week is so funny, like quick rundown uh, and we'll get into a headline. But like Quaylen on Confessions of a Server was talking about dating in the restaurant and it's his perspective and he talks about why he no longer does that. So that's going to be a quick, funny, bite-sized <laughs> listen. His episodes are about 30 minutes long. 
long, super fun. Uh, Marlon and Danny on the Modern Waiter podcast this week. They've got all the prepping you need for your Mother's Day brunch weekend coming up. And so it's a really great episode to listen to so you can get your head head in the game, decompress, sort of have your Hail Marys ready at the helm. Um Michael Munoz was talking this week on Wednesday. So yesterday happened to be Cinco de Mayo. So he was kind of breaking down Cinco de Mayo, talking with um, a queer chef who like specializes in, I think like tortillas and tortilleria and tacos and delicious shit. And Uh, they just are kiki, kiki and all over the place. Um, And there's a brand new macaroni zone out. Those guys are so fucking funny. Danny, and my, uh, James James Austin Johnson are just like hilarious, and you will like whatever they talk about, even if it's totally goes off the rails. They're amazing. <laughs> so, give everybody a listen. And of course, as always, Copper and Heat is your sort of like documentary style, beautiful three seasons with different topics. Um, so definitely go check out host Katie Osuna and Copper and Heat as well. Amazing. And before we jump into this headline, I just want to say to you guys. For having Cinco de Mayo and Mother's Day in the same week. We see you. We salute you. (laughs) (laughs) We hope you're doing well. Those are two different ends of a spectrum. Um, We hope you're surviving it. And please send us your stories if you have any. So, Oh, yeah. This is going to be. We expect an influx. All right. Cinco de Mayo. Like, what if you had a double? What if you just started working on Wednesday and they didn't let you off until Sunday night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a lot. Cinco de Cinco de Madre. Uh, <laughs> okay, first headline. So this coming to us from Virginia. So essentially, restaurants are increasing wages to attract new employees. There's a big eater headline that I read too. That's basically saying that. A lot of people who worked in restaurants and maybe were laid off or furloughed during the pandemic that are now able to come back as restaurants are being able to reopen, staff is being able to increase, don't fucking want the jobs because of the measly wages that they're getting paid and they're making more money off their unemployment benefits than they are, you know, from going in and working for $2 an hour and getting treated like shit by customers all the time. Um, I, I understand and right. it. Like Absolutely. And let's be clear. These unemployment benefits ain't anything too special. So no. that should say something right. about the living wage we expect people to actually try and live with. It's not, it's not a living wage. And so they are absolutely kind of in a way striking right now. Oh, yeah, know? absolutely. So... The Hospitality Family Restaurant Group out of Virginia has vastly increased the hours. uh, I'm sorry, the hourly rates of their employees across eight different restaurants. So saying that they decided they were not going to pay that $2.30 antiquated pay rate for servers and bartenders anymore. We're going to figure out a way to pay a livable wage. Um, Going on to say this is not... Okay, essentially, like people want to be paid for their time. They want to be valued for their time to say to somebody that you're worth 213 an hour. That's not okay. Um, So I love this. And I certainly I certainly think and we've said it before that the fucking cracks in the system are are shining brighter. Everybody sees behind the curtain and how shitty and dumb things work in this industry when it comes to fair living wages yeah absolutely i also think it is worth maybe putting it out there to like everyone today 
If there's someone in your life who doesn't work in the service industry, maybe say to them, did you know that we only get paid $2.13 an hour? How does that make you feel? Mm -hmm. Get the conversation started with someone outside of this business so that they can also have intelligent conversations, get inspired, and be restaurant allies. Absolutely. Uh, Fuck, man. So this specific group has hired and retained 160 employees in the last seven weeks. Um, and they've retained 80% of those new hires. So guess what? This is fucking working. It's working. Uh, Virginia did have a legal increase in their minimum wage from 7 to 25 to 9.50 on May 1st, but these guys are going above and beyond to get people back in the door. And and, and I really like if this is the future, I'm so happy about it. Dude, <laughs> this is giving me this is giving me chills. People have just fallen through the cracks of society, not being able to afford their life or not being able to live their life because they have to work 24 seven to live. Yeah. And that's not living like that's that's not okay. If you have to work every day of the week, doubles all day at your six dollars an hour wage to be a dishwasher, like what the fuck? Absolutely. And and these workers are needed like back. The demand is there, which is like crazy to say like i i i mean these jobs need to be filled and like people want to work but it's like for restaurant workers to now have like sort of an upper hand in in a way is very interesting to me um uh, there should absolutely be a day without servers and watch every entitled brat be like excuse me i'm sorry what this How is do also I get the, what I want? it's also the horror movie we're going to pitch to yes <laughs> Hollywood servers. Um, but basically, uh, again, talking about the article, hosts are making fifteen dollars an hour. Servers are making eighteen dollars an hour. Bartenders are making like at least twenty five an hour, and that is basically helping to level out the unemployment um, hourly, which comes out to like seventeen dollars an hour. And then you're still getting tips like on top of it, you know. But you're guaranteed that base pay no matter what, which is as you should. Mm-hmm. And and for for you as someone who comes into a restaurant you know now listen right now oh god i we might have to we might have to do an additional maybe we should do an instagram live and really discuss this Mm -hmm. right i've been hearing some calls from the listeners they they demand our presence on an instagram live soon so we'll, we'll talk about that for sure but you as the customer you as the person who comes in okay uh the business itself is going to figure out how to give them a living wage this does not excuse you from taking the tip off the table. Right. This is just a protection for them right. because we all know for decades now, if you come into work and it's a rainy day and there are no tables, you just spent eight hours at a job and took home $16. So listen, motherfucker, you're still going to pay until we completely overthrow the system and it becomes more European where then we kind of denormalize tipping and it's across the board, wonderful competitive living wages. Mm-hmm. Then we'll have that conversation. But as for now, you are going to make up tip accordingly. for the years of abuse <laughs> and they're going to get a living wage and tips. Yep. Oh man. All right. Well, we'll talk more Feels. about this as, as it progresses. Cause there's way more exactly. to talk about, but for now let's please hop into some server server. Submitted a stories. Stories. Uh, so this one, hot out of the oven. This one just came 
right in before we started recording. So I will add this. This is uh, in reference to our latest uh, episode from last week where we were talking about the bakery bonanza. Fun. Which was a really fun. It's weird. I'm glad we waited on it because I really got into it once we did it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I wasn't feeling it at first, as you know. I was like, I don't know. We'll do it. We'll do it. And then we broke into it. And I was like, hell yeah, that was a fun one. (laughs) But so this is in response to that. Let's get in there. Okay. Hello again, ladies. I wrote in before, after your retail episode and said I had quit CVS in favor of a baking job after I got my baking and pastry degree. Right on. We remember you. I work at a Noah's Bagel in Northern California, which you told me are the Brugger's Bagels. They're like maybe the same company or chain. Did I? I will look oh, into I don't that. know if I said that, but I, I know there is someone yeah. may have. Maybe Sean told me that. Anyways, so she says she's writing us. It's currently 3.30 a.m. I've been here for an hour already. I've seen just about everything. Customers waiting outside a full 40 minutes before we open. People calling on Christmas Eve two hours before closing asking for three dozen bagels. Odd sandwich requests. I actually overheard a woman say, yeah, can I get your tuna fish sandwich on a chocolate chip bagel? She's literally, oh God, she's literally heard everything. The job is great in that as the baker, I have my own, I have my own work area away from guests and people in general. Yes. Wonderful. I can listen to music and podcasts, get my work done and go home. The downside is that I'm a one woman island. I don't have another baker with me to cover my breaks. So if something goes sideways, break time's over. I bake an assortment of pastries and roughly 900 bagels just to open the store. Wow. Then usually a couple smaller bakes to cover our catering needs and probably any orders that come in special. So we do have customers that will get a dozen but insist on picking exactly which bagel they want similar to the lady who wanted her chocolate chip cookies with the least amount of chocolate chips. Oh, Linda. Okay. Then proceed to take 10 minutes to pick their 13 bagels. I feel bad for my coworkers who have to deal with their dumb asses. Anyways, my words, not hers. Okay. The baker seems to double as a therapist since my station is right next to the walk-in. Everyone comes back to my area to vent, scream, hide, or occasionally cry it out. <laughs> What gets my goat more than rude customers, though, is when the people who work up front don't communicate. I go up front every hour to make sure the case is well stocked and nothing is needed. If something happens in the meantime, I've got no way of knowing since I'm busy doing prep for the next day. Nothing says fun like going to clock out and have someone go, oh, by the way, we're out of four different flavors. Were you going to do another bake? Oh, God. So Amanda goes on to say, I do love my job. You know, there aren't many jobs where one can be left to their own devices to listen to whatever they please while they work. But it truly is backbreaking. My knees are shot. I'm exhausted by 6 p.m., even on my days off. And my back hasn't stopped hurting in roughly four years. I swear I'm 32. I'm just trapped in the body of a (laughs) 70-year-old. Godspeed and good tips. Amanda. Oh, Amanda, thank you for sharing. And get yourself a foam roller if you don't have one already. Fo- yeah, we we do have two ro- <laughs> two words for you. Foam, foam roller. roller. Get on. <laughs> oh, also the nose bagels are owned by Einstein Bagel, not Ruger's. Thank you, Brian okay, yep, Luke. That's oh, wait, what I was thinking. Like both are. All three, all three together. They're one oh. conglomerate. I'm sorry. I was just... <laughs> 
Brian's like flagging me down. It's like he's behind. He's like in the control room with like a, a sign that's like all three, all three. Um. <laughs> so now we know. Now we know. Well, and I can. Oh, wow. Yeah. It just really takes me back to a certain place in my life that that job at Brugger's, you know, and I am from the Midwest. So that that um, that email was a real testament to how much I've graduated out of saying bagel, uh, um, which I'm better. I, I, but I'm very self-conscious when I say that word. But I feel like I got through that email. OK, saying bagel. I don't like that people take so long to pick out their fucking dozen bagels. It's crazy. Like for me, when I go, I'm I'm like trying to have a list in my head. I feel like I always fumble because I don't want to waste anybody's time. I'm like, um, um, uh, um, like, you know, that's how I get. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm looking. I'm I'm looking. I'm sorry. Like, that's what I do. Uh, Just all plain, all plain. And then you go home and everyone's like, what's wrong with you? I don't know. I got upset. Um, for sure. For sure. Um, I fucking love it. More bakery stories if you guys have them. Yeah. Much love and respect, Amanda. Keep keep on keeping on. I did not order that. All right. Next story. Here we go. Oh, my friends, do I have some stories for you? Firstly, I had a woman throw water in my face upon greeting them because it had started raining and I asked them to step under a covering so I could find them a new table and so they wouldn't get rained on. <laughs> Okay, that's a normal reaction right there. She's like, she's like, you're going to be wet, not me. Fuck you. Oh, God. Next, I just received this glowing review about bottomless mimosas and a company-wide 20% service charge that's on every single menu. Listen, maybe I wasn't a helicopter serving enough for this table. Maybe next time I'll sit down and join them just to make sure every time they were halfway done with a pitcher of mimosas, I'd be there to pour champagne and orange juice down their throats. (laughs) In fact, why don't I just juice the oranges table side just so you know I'm here to serve you. <laughs> Let us remember that bottomless mimosas doesn't mean bottomless serving. Oh man. A server is still attending to 10 other tables who also bought bottomless mimosas. <laughs> I'm sorry. That is a special kind of group of people who all want to be wasted oh my on bottom shelf everything. All right. She posted the review. Here it is. Yeah, yeah. Read this okay. review. Amazing. Okay. Three stars. <laughs> This is the second time we had Christina as a server. She infrequently checked in at our table, making it nearly impossible to ask for refills on our bottomless mimosas. Not a very attentive server at all. On top of all this, we were charged a 20% gratuity fee when this didn't happen the first time we were there. Oh my God, things changed. If you do end up going to Germantown Garden for a bunch, request to not have Christina as your waitress. Mm, three stars. Okay, first of all, <laughs> this person sounds like a drunk. You know, someone's like, I mean, I was not getting white girl wasted at a rate that felt comfortable yeah. for me. I felt like I was having honest and connected conversation and eye contact and like uh, the mimosa was not flowing. Yeah. I. Oh, uh, all right. This is crazy. It's a lot. You, first of all, you are trash <laughs> if you go get, I mean, sorry, I know your whole restaurant does this, but if you, your whole day revolves around bottomless mimosas, you are a trash human. And also restaurants do still want to try and make a little money off of right. you. So like I said, you're going to get basically bathtub versions it's- of 
you know, it's of your Prosecco and your orange juice. Right. <laughs> no, and there is a reason. They are not going to go out of their way to constantly make sure that when you're halfway through, they've already replaced it. Like, there is an art to it. They would be, ugh, anyways. Absolutely. Just, people are so grubby. I know. All right. So she goes Yuck. on to say, let it be heard here first. <laughs> Patrons have not gotten better or more respectful since the pandemic. They have gotten way worse. And beyond that, restaurants need a 20% tip policy just to keep a serving staff on board. Otherwise, there's no point being put through a serving shift to walk away with a tip average of 11%. That's exactly what we were talking yep. about. <laughs> so customers have to realize they're either going to get impeccable and organized service with an additional... 20% tip or they're going to have to get rundown servers who are stretched too far because no one wants to work for 11%. Sorry, I'm ranting, but this just sucks and, and is humorous and sad in so many ways. I have no doubt I'm a good server and I have constantly loved listening to you all and feel the comfort in frustration. Let us be strong. And if you ever come to Philly, remember to ask Christina, me, not to be your server. <laughs> <laughs> Godspeed and good tips and a big fuck you to bottomless mimosas. Um, Christina, holy shit. Ho holy shit. I can't believe that like someone threw water in your fucking face and <laughs> was it on a and it was it on a bottomless mimosa shift? That is an insane thing for me to even hear. I just did like someone to be like, nope, here you go. I'm throwing water in your face. Like that really outshines the bottomless mimosa ladies. <laughs> Bad review. That's nothing in comparison, in my opinion. I know. I, I, yeah, I've I've had someone throw a throw a dinner roll at me to get my attention. Oh my God. You know. So, and I mean, like Heather or um, Lindsay. Sorry, Lindsay, who got her ass slapped, and the woman just said butter, butter and slapped her, ass. which Brian does to me all the time now. By the way, yes. <laughs> But no, that's okay because you guys are married and you got to keep it spacious. Honestly, but when I'm you're a like, customer, oh, did you not get all the mimosa you wanted? You don't know what I've seen. Like, I mean, that's really what it is. Like, and Christina, fucking point taken. I mean, these are the conversations that we're having that like livable wages appreciated server like 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 employees. Like if you want to come to work, you want to make money and be appreciated. And Absolutely. shit is fucking crazy. And let's be honest, shit was crazy before. But guess what? Now we're now eyes are real open now. Just saying. We got to get them even more open, um, like, like a clockwork orange yeah. level open. <laughs> OK, yeah. as long as you're just putting that saline in my eyes, you know, keeping the keeping the keeping it keeping it hydrated. Um, you guys, again, thank you so much for these service submitted stories. If you have any, please send them our way. We love to hear them. They bring so much joy to our lives, um, along with all the pain and sorrow and, you know, and humor that they they bring along with them. Uh, Brooke, where should they send their stories if they have them? Send them in, sideworkpod at gmail.com. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You guys, we're very happy today to have a great guest, comedian, writer. I, you know, oddly enough, was like searching for um, a song. I'm creating a playlist for my 15-year-old niece, and I 
searched, I was like, oh, which Stevie Wonder album is that on? But I know it's on the High Fidelity soundtrack and Solomon writes for High Fidelity. And then I was like, oh, that's a fun coincidence. It's all coming together today. Uh, <laughs> Solomon, Solomon Giorgio is our guest Hi. today, you guys. Hello. Yes. Solomon. <laughs> um, better known, though, as your server at Denny's, I believe. I was is- a server at three different Denny's at one point in time. Oh, my God. Let's <laughs> three. Not, let's just have three separate segments, maybe, to break down. I don't remember of <laughs> two of those experiences because <laughs> I was doing drugs. Yeah, that's, that's like a real, it's a real like Bowie moment, right? Yeah. Like certain albums don't don't remember being recorded. I guess that one went platinum. <laughs> um, <laughs> wasn't around for it. Uh, well, why don't we start off by you just telling us about your general history in the service industry? Well, I guess my first job was at McDonald's, uh, and that was like I feel like I lasted all of two months <laughs> in <laughs> in McDonald's because that's a, I think that is a hell job uh, that you you either decide to be a person who is fine with cleaning up vomit every single day from a playpen or you're not. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> How old were you when you worked? Oh at God, I was like 15, 16. And it was just yeah. like first job, like the minimum wage at the time too was like four twenty-five. Wow. So truly <laughs> scraps. I was getting nothing. <laughs> and I was like, all right. Uh, then yeah, it's been, it's, I think the next job was Subway. Uh, and then I took a break into retail. <laughs> very nice. Very oh, great. Nice. We'll be having you back for when we do our retail pivots. <laughs> <laughs> then moved right back into restaurants, uh, took a break for the corporate world, uh, started stand-up comedy, and then ended up back in uh, the, ser- the service industry because I was like, I hate being in an office. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can just I can just speak to that to such a degree. I tried to not do service industry and got hooked up with a temp firm briefly and you quickly realize that like they don't give you uh, a uniform to wear. You just have to come up with a bunch of nice looking clothing to work <laughs> in a law firm uh, at the front desk. And I was like, oh, I don't own anything that does not have a cigarette burn on it. Um, so yeah. well, also we're like, not. Yeah. You don't go, like you can't get you can't do cocaine all night with the kitchen staff. Uh, no. In an office job. <laughs> I mean, no. when you are a lawyer, you can do cocaine with them all night. Yes. You know, during happy hour until the we you know then you can wolf of wall street it but it's just until you're accepted in that in that crew you know? yeah but everybody in the uh world of commercial print uh for barcodes uh, i can tell you right now not partiers uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh you're like i really thought this would have gone differently anyway i gotta go uh yeah <laughs> Um, was this all in, in Seattle? Is that where you grew up? Um, yeah, I think, yeah. Every, all of my, my first jobs were in Seattle. Um, I briefly lived outside for a little bit of it, but for the most part, I was in Seattle until I moved down here. Uh, and I was like, I like was working at a bar that I did my show at in Seattle. So I was a cocktail server for a few years. Uh, and then I moved we down We did here. that. Yes. We did that too. Where we, we did we, that like, together. Worked, worked mm-hmm. and I played, you know, it was the best. <laughs> it was a bit, I loved it. Cause it was like, they let me work whatever hours. If I had to go out of town for any gigs, if I had to go to a festival, they're like perfect. Uh, so it was just like, yeah, it was a really, it was really complimentary to like that, like very beginning of like going on the road and doing stuff of my career. I'm yeah. sure it was like a really like adorable send off when you're like, I have now I'm leaving for L.A. and I love you guys so much. Yeah. Well, one, of, one of my best friends owned a bar. So, now, so we're still like we're still best friends. And uh, oh, I love that. Uh, Great. Know, whenever I'm back up in Seattle, I stay with her. Oh, I 
Dude, I, it was it was great. We got to celebrate our buddy opening his place back up, and it's it's a special thing, you know. You're rooting for their business. You reach a certain age, and it's not even about the potential for a complimentary drink. You're really just happy for them as yes. a business owner, you know. <laughs> I just like you as a person, and all the great things you've done for people, especially artists, which are like comedians. The yep. worst. Oh yeah. The worst of the worst. And I'm so. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you moved to LA. Did you find like having to be in the service industry, being a server, being a cocktail stripper, I believe a different game, a different vibe than it you was did in truly, Seattle? I, I feel like I auditioned more f- to become a server in Los Angeles than any other part in LA. I feel like, <laughs> like I like it was I like getting that first job took me a year to get into to wow. to the LA service. And because it was so it's com- so fucking competitive because it's such a very everyone here knows that job it works the best if you are not if you don't if you want a career that's not that you don't want to hold on to uh absolutely (laughs) you want you want to be it's the job that you're like hey i have an audition i don't mind calling in or switching a shift with somebody you can't do that with every job No. no it's also or just the turnover rate like you can say to yourself i'll go get another restaurant job because i really really want to go to this audition and so i just won't show up you know and yeah it's it's a whole game too because it's like as we all know actors are you know uh, when it's like i'm an actor and people are like and what part in the restaurant do you play you know and are you the hostess the bartender or the server or a manager you know yes it's very much it was like i was so like i I remember just being at like my like in my rope i was crashing on couches like i was about to go back home and then umami opened a location in the grove and nice and i i was at a point where i was like they i they didn't hire me as a server they were like do you want to be a buster and i was like well fuck sure (laughs) i have no great like i have no experience as a buster but i'll do the that job And I, yeah, I, I lasted a few months there and I moved over to Raisin Stark uh, at LACMA, which is uh, a bunch of comedians working there. Nico Santos was the host at the time. Okay, cool. I love that yes. person. All right. He brought in a lot of us to work there. So that was uh, me, Marcelo Arguello, Chris Garcia. No, sorry, not, I apologize. Uh, Frankie Camunas. I apologize to Chris Garcia yes. for saying his name. Uh, <laughs> he did he's not been, work he's, there. He's, just he's been a, at the top of all of our feeds, him and his cute baby. So, you know. He's just on that list of San Francisco comics that. Uh, <laughs> yep. Uh, that moved down around the same time, but like a lot of us worked there. Uh, Greg Edwards was there. Um, like it was like a good crew of uh, me and a bunch of comics via San Francisco, uh, and it was like, like they loved working with us, uh, particularly because we're all like immigrant comics, and so there was like, and or yes. like people right. tell us, I was... like, you guys have good uh, work work ethic, and like, yeah, surprisingly. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> You're like, it's not like a, my dad's a studio exec and he told me to get a restaurant job to build a backbone. You know, it's, you're like, no, I just have had to work really hard since I was born. Thank yeah. you. Um, so- Solomon, I have to say, like, I get I get very like jealousy is not the word, but just like the, it's like I cut my teeth and I have my crew in New York and I didn't know I, I showed up in L.A. to a lot of you thriving and already being, you know, the people that you are with your status. And it's fun to hear the underdog years because <laughs> I don't I don't know you like that, you know, oh, well, and I, of course. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I, I assure you there was a, a, I worked, I was working up until five years ago. <laughs> so same. I mean, you, me, you know, yeah. I, I got, yep. I got a break uh, on a show and was able to walk away and yeah, but it's just like, there's a whole slew of us in Brooklyn who used to all like 
just it was like a constant swinging, flapping kitchen door of all of us working at this like restaurant that's let's face it was like a halfway house for comedians if you could hang on to a job (laughs) serve a drink or two or whatever we were all very very um gainfully employed at this uh one place called gravy with a connected (laughs) restaurant called pacifico (laughs) anyways Uh, that is very it's very much like every city does have that and then there's also the majority there's also the, the the group of us that are like why what do you do how do you make money? <laughs> uh-huh. Right. Like how are you well, existing? Yeah. Who are you like, charming? Who, who I are agree. you? Like you're you're I see you on your Instagram it says you're out to lunch again on a weekday. Like I don't I and that's such a fucking LA thing. Like I remember first moving here and being like, why is everybody at lunch all the time? Why aren't people working? And yeah, and you just you just never know. Um, where someone's coming sure. from or where, where they're getting their money. Who knows? Can I ask, were all the Denny's Seattle based or did any? Oh of yeah. Them... All those Denny's were, well, they were okay. Seattle and surrounding areas based, uh, and surrounding areas based. So I was in North Seattle. If I... Okay. Got it. And if you still ever set foot in a Denny's, does a Seattle's Denny have its own fucking vibe? Like poets late night, you know, <laughs> writing, <laughs> The coffee's slightly better. Well, no. Uh, <laughs> right, exactly. The, the coffee's the same terrible crap all across the board. Yeah, of but, course. Uh, regardless of the location. Uh, it's because there's uh, there's two types of Denny's. Uh, and they're the okay. same. All, like they're, they might be different sizes, but they're saying like there's the standard model Denny's that everyone is familiar with. And then there's the mm-hmm. Denny's Diner, which is that new wave 50s oh, pop yeah, diner. Yeah, yeah. So they, those are, they, they exist at the same time, but they are definitely almost in a different decade. Like one of them is like this new wave 50s motif while the other one is very still classic Denny's motif. And they are, they both exist and they're both have the same menu uh, because Denny's is a franchise uh, and it's a very weird kind of setup with everything. But yeah, it's, it's nothing is spectacularly different uh, food wise. I'll tell you that. Got it. Got it. It's just like, you know, their booths are like, a different style if you're in the 50s throwback mm. era yeah, yeah or if you get like a classic 70s 80s situation happening um what was your preferred shift at the denny's um so it really depends because it's like there was <laughs> like for because like at the time because i was young i was young i wanted to hang out more than i wanted to make a shit ton of money uh mm-hmm. so there was that there's the graveyard shift which sucks because you're there till fucking six in the morning yeah uh, but getting the shift that's right before the late shift uh that that uh, brings in the right before the graveyard shift comes in that was the perfect shift because then you get to hang out with your other co-workers and go to like the pool pool hall and uh get drunk with them uh in the parking lot because you're still 20 <laughs> 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 that's the shift that you're like oh this is when people order steak at denny's mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's never like it was never like denny's in a, like denny's can is like the ones the, the the servers who knew how to make money at denny's knew those shifts very well and there was no way you were yeah. going to get them from them uh, right <laughs> like they've been working at denny's for 10 years which is like in itself like that's long enough for you for me never to take any of your shifts and i do not want any of your shifts no. uh because i don't want to fight for a shift yes. at denny's <laughs> absolutely 10 years you have earned your shifts like they're yeah. yours forever unless you care to give them away and that should be the rules <laughs> that's essentially what it is like i if i ever got a shift the the men, the money making shifts 
it was because one of them was like, I want a day off and you're the only person that will say yes. And well, it's dangerous because then it's like your eyes are forever open that there is a money making shift at Denny's. And you're like, (laughs) I'm telling everyone. And they're like, no one can know our secret and our truth, you know, like. But it's like it's like not even that great of a like it's like the money making shift at Denny's you make a hundred dollars in tips right Tops. right Tops. sure yeah. and yeah. you're and it's blood money it is not blood. it is yeah. no one no one no one that walks to Denny's like twenty percent is how I tip that's not yeah. the vibe that comes in <laughs> to a Denny's. <laughs> It's uh, like, I feel like you know, I and I, I, I have no hate toward Denny's. You know, um, it, it's just like in New York, why would you go to a Denny's when there are like a million? You know, late night is the name of the game in New York. But now that I've been yeah. in LA for like five-ish years, um, Andrea and I, we got up in the middle of the night a couple yeah. years ago <laughs> to watch like a super wolf moon in Griffith Park. It was a, it was a, bunch a full of, lunar yeah. eclipse, actually. Yes, that was, with, yeah. mm-hmm. with a bunch of astronomers. And it was just such an odd feeling. And we're like, we are starving. <laughs> it's five in the morning. Where do we go? And we like hit the Denny's on San Fernando. Wow. And it I was incredible. I had a moon's o- moon over Miami, baby. I, yeah, it was I, great. I feel like yeah, that's sort of it's because it's very rare. Like we are, we are in the age group that is very rarely at Denny's. That's <laughs> yes, like there used to be. Yes, but yes. Well, even t- I think now, like I think like you either are very young, and this is like the the diner near you, and at the time too, especially it's you can smoke inside. Right. So, yeah, it's a, right. it was a phenomenal hangout spot for anyone under 21. Yeah, when you're in high school, that's like all you do. Coffee and if, you're, if you live in the suburbs, yeah, for sure. Coffee and cigarettes. Coffee I and wonder cigarettes and a bowl full of change as a tip. I remember. Oh, my well. God. That's I was, I was right. like, I was there's probably a lot of like pulling like change off a table into your apron. Ugh. Uh. Um, I wonder if the kids in the suburbs are still hanging out at Denny's. Probably. Probably. There's nothing probably. else going on. There it's really isn't. true. Well, let's get started on today's topic, you guys. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to chat. Let's all chat about immigrants Mm -hmm. and how they shape the restaurant industry and how they're the fucking backbone of the industry. Um, Solomon, you yourself are an immigrant, correct? Can you speak to that in your story and tell us about that? I can speak to it because I well, but I also come in the form of the I get the fancier version of the immigrant treatment because I'm I speak English. Uh, So therefore, and sorry, they speak English. I speak English without with an American accent, which is gives me a lot of privilege Uh, (laughs) uh, because that's people don't talk down to me like I'm an idiot because I I just have a slight accent. But yeah, it's like it's like without a doubt, no restaurant would thrive without the genuine cheap labor that immigrants no. provide. It is yeah, but that all, yeah, that's also it opens it to, to abuse <laughs> a lot of the time uh, yes. because it's like you expect somebody to be an absolute workhorse for literally the smallest money. So when they finally kick back and realize they're being treated terribly, yeah, I mean, I think we all know the guy. Uh, or the, or the the dishwasher, the line cook, like who 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 never fucking takes a day off. Never. Who you've never never seen not come to work. Yep. And if something does happen, if something horrible has happened in their life. Yes. Um, Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And and you have to wonder too like you know, is it horrible enough like did did something go wrong? Are they literally being you know, deported. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a family crisis? Like it, it's just right because they are just some of the most faithful, hard workers you've ever worked with. So it's it's that feeling of like something's up. Yeah, I can't believe they're not here. Manny did yeah. not show up. You know, yeah. like 
Yeah. Something's wrong. At the end of the day, it's like, like it's such a, it's, it's truly the saddest story for me to, cause they, like, I see how hard they work and it's, and I'm like, I was, as a surfer, I try to do like emphasize tipping out the dishwasher, tipping out mm-hmm. anyone in the kitchen that I see Ben, like I'm, if I'm, I'm ultimately benefiting from their cheap labor. So yeah. And so Absolutely. and that like that's essentially what the, the, the that's a tipping system in general. Like the people that eat in a restaurant are are benefiting out of my cheap labor. So therefore, I have to make sure that it, it's it's a terrible version. It's uh it's trickle down ec- <laughs> uh, economics. economics yes. uh, working in the saddest way possible. <laughs> it Absolutely, it's literally it's still a sad 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 process. <laughs> Um, so a small history of immigration and restaurants in the U.S. So unless you are a native indigenous person from the United States, you're fucking descended from immigrants, dude. Like, period. You know, and it's always been shitty. So let's let's go back to March of 1790 when Congress passes the first law about who should be granted U.S. citizenship. So the Naturalization Act of 1790s allows any free white person of good character who has been living in the United States for two years or longer to apply for citizenship. Without citizenship, non-white residents are denied basic constitutional protections, including the right to vote, own property, or testify in court. Uh, this hasn't changed at all. <laughs> I know. I was like, are you like fast forward 250 years? Yeah. Uh, fast it's forward. A lot. Still a little loose. Still not 100%. <laughs> still a little like, ah. Uh, do you guys, maybe you guys should go. <laughs> yeah. I, so basically what we're seeing as far as restaurants and how they're existing at that time, there's really not much happening in the U.S. Um, not until we're seeing a wave of Irish immigration in the 1800s do we start to see things like Irish pubs pop up, you know, and we've all seen the fucking far and away movies where like the Irish immigrants come to the big city, come to New York and where do they get jobs? They get jobs at fucking restaurants, you guys like this just again keeps happening so we have a lot of people coming in we have people swarming in they're fleeing they're either sick or dying from the long journey they're like they're coming to the big cities on the east coast and they're basically like starting new neighborhoods restaurants are popping up then we get the civil war that happens which is more german and irish settlers after that like go west you know german settlers go to like the midwest hello beer is fucking born you know (laughs) in the united states all the delicious beer that we drink today comes from german immigrants after that, we have the Chinese coming in to work the railroads. Then we have the Chinese Exclusion Act that starts. Um, so basically, they're just Chinese come in to do all our hard labor, literally build railroads, literally like build the infrastructure that we know today. Um, and basically, once that starts happening, they're just like, not too many. You got to go. Mm-hmm. It's just basically like xenophobia at its finest. Like anybody who comes into the country to make it better is in like, no, you're not appreciated ever. But it's like it's this, this thing that constantly happens, with, especially with every immigrant group, like the, like what's going on right now with the anti-mask uh, like people and being anti-Asian. It's a very similar issue in the past. Like they find their way to do the same thing again. They did it with MSG as well, scare like the MSG scare yes. to to push Asian yes. people out as well. So it's like this, this is like the fourth cycle of anti-Asian uh, pushback. Uh, and at the same time, there's still this like American dream out there that is like it it outweighs and outshines like everybody is like, well, really bad things might happen to you. But the idea of coming and having a fresh start 
and as the timeline continues to like 1907, when there's a huge like Japanese like mm-hmm. immigrant an influx coming in, um, onto like in the 1920s, like and after fucking World War II, we get like Jewish like refugees coming in. I mean, onto like the Mexicans come yep. in during World War II to like fill shortages in factories you know well, like to be fair they were kicked out of where they, they were technically native americans that were kicked out of their homes that are coming yes, back that's very <laughs> true. that is very true <laughs> so you. i wouldn't like i like this mexicans became immigrants in this country but they were never immigrants to begin with to so. begin with absolutely i mean and what i keep saying when i hear when i hear like beer when i hear all i'm thinking is like the food that is being created yeah. with like all of these waves of people that are coming in and how these immigrants and their subgroups are like opening restaurants for themselves they're opening restaurants for other people to try it they're they're building what we now call like the like an, a, a food experience a restaurant yeah. experience and like shaping the palate like we get to eat anything we fucking want now. We really yes. do. Yes. You know, I mean, we've we've done the research, too, that like just in general, like diners are a very Greek American immigrant experience. You look at all the all the ways that we consider our lifestyle to be really American. Yeah. And it was born on the back of someone who emigrated here from a different country mm-hmm. and and completely shaped it is like people never stop to think like why do I eat euros you know like why are they everywhere <laughs> like your your mom didn't serve that if you're from <laughs> Rochester Michigan like where I'm from you know what I'm saying right it's, it's such a you know and I, and what I love obviously about food in the service industry which you know not to like pretend like I'm a little mini like you know food blogger Anthony Bourdain person but it's just like food is the thing that brings us all to the table yet how are we so blind to it in every Mm -hmm. other aspect yeah of the way we coexist together you know it's such a great gateway to share a meal with someone and realize the origin of why you're enjoying this delicious food but people can't apply it to common sense parts of their life outside of that it's it's very weird it's a very like it's very confused like it's kind of like like what are the like the best restaurant experience you can get is like a family restaurant from a specific like from another country mm-hmm. oh, yeah. like, like it's it's a it's never going to be the best looking place uh but the people no the harsh bit, lighting yeah, harsh Always. lighting thick accents <laughs> you're gonna like but you're gonna have probably one of the best meals of your life <laughs> And be treated, be treated truly like you are having a big family style meal, which, you know, um, with people who consider themselves like truly American, it's like y'all are not about family at all. You don't even know what it's like to have, you know, because so much of and we've talked about this is like so much of my first dining experience jobs as as a restaurant server in Detroit where like I worked in all Arab American restaurants and was completely just brought in and worked with people from, you know, anywhere from Jordan to Tunisia to, oh my God, like Syria, Turkey, um, Lebanon was, you know, I, I loved that family, lived with them part of the time and like taught their daughters English and you would, they wow. would like, come to our club and experience how we hang out and it would be great grandmother to the youngest grandchild all in a club until three in the morning, constantly eating, communal dancing. You're all together all the time. 
American families ain't into family that much. Yeah. <laughs> Eat in front of the TV and shut your mouth. Um, I feel like is where how my house was, you know. Anyway. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, I've like I've like there's a sort of like just like an acceptance in my family. Like you're gonna take care of your mom. She's gonna live with you. That's just the simple fact. There's no ways <laughs> around it. Uh she's not going no. to a home. She's going to no. live with you. <laughs> Right. Oh, God. That's funny you bring that up. I'm like, we haven't even had that convo, but I'm just like, if I can and will, like, of course they're going to just. Oh, yeah. I know it's going to be an invasion of my privacy and I just have to accept that fact. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Respect Uh, your elders. (laughs) Ah! I love you, mommy. So let's uh, break down just just three. There's other uh, many other reasons, but three of maybe the main reasons why immigrants come to the U.S. So number one would be against their will. Yes. For sure. Um, black indigenous people of color fucking kidnapped and enslaved. They came and provided knowledge, labor and even the raw fucking materials uh, that shaped and changed the food of the South that we know now as Gullah, that we know as low country. Um, so forced into slavery, they cooked and waited on white assholes on top of other hundreds of horrors. Obviously, they had to endure. Um, you know, we've talked about this before on on the podcast to Solomon that post emancipation, most of the work that could be found was uh, in restaurants and bars and private homes yeah. as servers and bartenders and cooks and maids. And these were primarily tipping jobs that provided no fucking base pay whatsoever. So all you relied on was tips so it's just another form of enslavement in a way it's just another way to be oppressed um and today these practices are still there it's there's they still exist like we just were like yeah sure this model works in this like fucking white supremacist world just run with it like everything else yeah so yeah. no it's effectively yeah that's that's why like tipping culture is only is very uh American born and not really any place else because there's like you just pay people living wage it just makes sense right. <laughs> there's like why right. would you not pay they're, people living wage <laughs> they're doing a job you know and yeah we we covered it several months ago too just going into the origin of tipping you know and it's absolutely worth reiterating that it was just yeah like Andrea said like just a, another way to not ensure a recently freed slave that they could have a job, but free labor. So it was just, it's, you know, we, we don't try and be so on the nose with stuff. We like to give, you know, background to it, but the art, like the, the, the origins of tipping is yet another iteration of slave labor. Yes. Yeah. But sometimes they might give you a dollar, but they don't have to, if they don't want to. And you just spent 16 hours of your day lugging everyone's stuff all over on and off a train and that is just the way it is and you're like yeah. cool great absolutely good job <laughs> um second would be to flee persecution so waves of refugees <laughs> have been entering this country for decades to escape their current situations war famine fucking genocide corrupt governments and countries all over the world have left its citizens like hopeless and afraid and America has opened its arms to refugees for years and years and years. Which to is, come in. I always, I always like to point out that America has had a big hand in ruining in many other countries, and their their stipulations on refugees on refugees is truly wow. like that is the most shameful part of this country. It's like you should be accepting every single refugee because you had a hand in whatever detriment that occurred in that country. Right. Wow. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's almost like uh, they were just like, oops, uh, I guess come in now. Sorry. Yeah. Like, oh, geez. It's every. I did that. Every Western <laughs> country that is, is that is complaining about refugees and, and how many they're dealing with. 
you they they have every like not one of them has an innocent bone in, <laughs> bone in them to not be able to be like you know what we'll accept all of you since we fucked over your country so hard. <laughs> wow truly I mean, and and then like coming here and it, and it got starting from fucking nothing right like trying to find work once you're here can be such a defeating task um but restaurants time and time and again are places where if you don't speak english or you don't have any skills you can like easily get hired and start a brand new life um so this guy he, he was a teenager alone on the border of iran and turkey in 1984 and his family had paid people to smuggle him from tehran to escape their war-torn country um he endured he endured a series of car and bus rides only to be robbed of all his money he had two guys take him to turkey and left to fend for himself so he crossed the border on foot and then he was promptly arrested by turkish military he said i thought i was gonna die i thought that was it um, he endured, for, endured 40 days in a Turkish prison before being reunited with his family in Istanbul, where they made their way to the U.S. embassy. After several months, they were allowed to move back to the U.S. He was really he had given up hope. Um, and then some weeks later, they contacted him to say his paperwork was ready and then they, oh, could, wow. they, could, they could move to the U.S. He landed in, L- in L.A. and his uncle who met him there took him to a jack in the box the first day he was there to like basically get a job um and nobody would give him a job and he couldn't speak english and at jack in the box they made him feel comfortable they trained him they taught him um you know he says this industry is so unique and he worked his way up through the fucking company ultimately landing in san diego at in the san diego office and then eventually became a partner and opened a hundred jack in the box locations um so this is this is what can happen, I think, personally, when nothing in your life could be any fucking worse than what you went yes. through already. So why wouldn't you persevere and take chances anytime you get it, man? That's true. But like, also, I feel... Then we go feel... back to that work ethic, baby. Yeah. yeah. But I also feel like there are many people that have who've shut up to Jack in the Box <laughs> as, in that same situation and got nowhere. Yes, <laughs> nowhere absolutely. <laughs> I know, I know. It's, it, it, it is it is hard to just be like, just to read one shiny story and think everything's okay because it oh, certainly no, no. is not. You know, <laughs> listen, for some of us, for some of us, it's, our, it's in our darkest hours that we find ourselves at a Jack in the Box. And it's okay. <laughs> when when my dad's like, I need a breakfast, Jack. You know, it's just like, oh, oh boy, Mark's off the rails again. Okay. Anyways, look, but- as somebody who's ordered Jack in the Box sober, it is a journey. Uh, <laughs> it is. It is an emotional low point. <laughs> I know, but like the fast food franchise business, especially um, for immigrants, like it, it really is kind of a hand in glove situation where it's like, do you have the fortitude to learn the rules, mm-hmm. kind of go by the rule book, make it all happen? Um, and yes, I mean, like it, it truly is a success story in a lot of it ways. It is. You and know? I also like, but yeah, that was definitely the 80s and the 90s. But now I think it is out like that is an impossible, impossible dream because it's that that minimum wage. Oh, man, is is it, it is truly it is a most savage and cruel thing because it's it's not, it means it's nothing. It's literally like, right. if, like everything yeah. costs so much everywhere. I know. 
I mean, and that's what that was like the third point I was going to be like to live the American dream. And it's like, well, fuck, do we even like talk about this now that you said that? But it's like, it's really just this whitewashed fairy tale version that we're shown all the time that it's just like, oh, come, come here. Like, you know, it's like fucking there are no cats in America. Like it's that part of it, you know, where. Yeah. It's just also like it's it's set now poverty here is at uh, like it's literally America is a if a first world country wrapped in a third world country. It is yeah. it is doing everything possible to maintain a poverty line uh because poverty is is uh is profit. Uh and get like and it's so like now it just I don't like coming here for immigrants I'm just I feel so bad because it's like there's that recovery that I, my parents even had as people who didn't speak English and were able to get some kind of work like that is, that is so difficult. That That's I, very I, I different even... now. Yep. That dream seems, you know, and, and I personally cannot speak, you know, I, I won't speak to your experience. It's just from, you know, us trying to be educated and learn what's going on, but you know, and it's, it's a situation where I guess the best way to sort of compare it in some ways for people who might not be able to understand is like, you also have people who believe in this country that they're like native born right, right. to be here right can't make ends meet and are not understanding why this american dream is failing them and they won't look at the government and or how how false of a promise capitalism is and so then on top of already being terrible pay wages now you've got like white people punching down and blaming immigrants yeah right so forever though i feel yeah. like that's that's just how the fucking disgusting like chess game is played like, yeah you know i think there's just... two i yeah i definitely believe there's two ways to it but also like i feel like the the attack on immigrants has been consistent so that's why i feel like it's definitely there's always going to be the play of uh what the economy is doing right now but i also believe that generally so many of these people are hateful and they're becoming yeah. yes. more hateful and they they i think they have their they find justifications but i feel like they're just terrible people a lot of them are well, and, and what we've said, you know, like the comparisons just in general of how our government works is the lawmakers at the top who oh, should yeah. be doing the jobs, who should be putting policies in place to protect and help everyone prosper, or have a little dignity in their life. Like one of the most easy to understand moments is even just yeah. putting um, frontline restaurant workers like that the, the, the government bows out and says no more uh no masks no distancing mm -hmm. no whatever and then leaves it up to you the restaurant to put rules in place and then leave you to just fight you know mano y mano against other customers yeah. which then jeopardizes your business if enough people want to come in and be like we're going to stop coming here because you force mm -hmm. mask mandates instead yeah. of the government doing what their job entails which is to you know protect protect the citizens and whatever but it's it's a they have a lot of fun pitting us against one another oh, yes. so oh, that yeah. we forget about them not doing their jobs yeah especially you know? like if you if you're making somebody working like once an uber driver becomes a essential worker during a pandemic then it's like what are you doing what are we doing here for these people we're doing literally nothing to <laughs> protect anyone right yeah Let's take a little Denny's break. <laughs> let's like let's let let's let everything cool down a bit and like dive back into a little Denny's. Solomon, okay. would you is or do you have any like chestnut stories that you would like to tell oh, us about God. working at Denny's? Denny's was a very very special place. I have I have a couple of stories that I've told uh, a few times. Uh, 
Um, one of them was I the, the uh, <laughs> a couple showed up uh, and I sat them and as I sat them the gentleman in the in the marriage was like hey just to let you know a third uh, we're actually meeting up with somebody uh, for threesome here like after we leave here uh, and so this is yeah. so this is our first time meeting her uh, so can you just let her know that we're over here I'm like okay that's I guess good for you and your threesome so much information <laughs> and and she shows up. Uh, and as I'm got like, and then I point her to the table and the guy like from across the room screams, sorry, we're both ugly. (laughs) (laughs) They're so nervous about the threesome. (laughs) I kind of thought he was going to be like, can you direct me toward the least (laughs) chart my pants food item? (laughs) Cause we're about to do a threesome. We really want to impress this third to be yeah. fair, the, the, no one was an, no one was attractive in this uh, yes. group. <laughs> so no one like it wasn't like oh th- yeah. So it was it, the joke landed on her part. <laughs> I I'm, I was hoping it would be kind of like a Romeo and Michelle moment where they were like, um, do you have any specials for people who are about to have threesomes? Is that <laughs> oh, something God. you guys I do? Uh, <laughs> I think that's a grand slam, my friends. I mean, you could say moons are in my hammy to describe any uh, sexual uh, act. Yes. Let's be honest. Yeah. yeah. But Grand Slam is a solid uh, triple. <laughs> <laughs> That's three runs. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. It is three runs. Um, I right. understand baseball and Wait, Denny's. No, Grand Slam is four runs because it's obvious the braces are loaded. Well, it's and three on base. And I know, but let me have it. A three run. Uh, <laughs> A triple play. What's triple, triple play? Want? Triple yes. play, but we don't have a triple play at Denny's. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There's people who are into baseball rolling their eyes so fucking hard listening to us talk right now. You if they're you know into I mean? baseball, they, I don't know how much of the immigrant conversation they got through. <laughs> yeah. oh, there so are by many the way, immigrant baseball players. I, there is. There like, is. But fans? <laughs> I, no, I don't know. <laughs> I love baseball, so I, 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 I would argue that with you. All right, so let's dive back in. And this is a very NPR thing I'm about to say, but let's do the numbers. Um, <laughs> all right, are you, so, Kai, are you Kai Rizdal? What yeah, is going I, on? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so just some stats, you guys, about undocumented uh, workers and restaurants. So this is from Eater. The undocumented comprise of 10% of all restaurant employees in the U.S., as many as 40% in urban areas such as L.A. and New York. Undocumented immigrants as a whole pay billions in tax and a higher effective tax rate than the top 1% of taxpayers, 8% versus 5.4%. And then the Pew Research Center says estimates that about 10% of the industry workforce is is basically undocumented um workers um all working in low pay back of house jobs without fucking worker protection worker protection so this basically means they're paying more taxes with no benefits and specifically right now in this pandemic no unemployment benefits so yes all ice is is just a money drain from yeah from a very profitable uh, uh pop, part of the population like you are we the country's making free money because they are not getting any money back there's no there's no yep. tax refund they are just paying taxes <laughs> it's a lot to absorb i 
personally. I, you know, nobody fucking even thinks about, I, I don't know. I think people assume that like undocumented workers, people who come, they're just like, they want free, they want a free meal. They want a free ticket. They want, they're not going to pay. They're not going to do well, anything. And nothing could be further from the truth. Right. And, but again, you know, when you don't even totally understand the lie you've been sold and don't understand why you're not succeeding, it's very, very easy to lean into that narrative. It helps, you know, again, this is all like, listen, I've been in therapy for four years, um, <laughs> four or five years, you know, like stories we tell ourselves versus what the truth is, you know, right. and the stories are made to comfort our brains and our narrative and, and the things that help us uphold our beliefs systems. And it just, it really is, um, I think it's just been in a, like, I'm not trying to go super negative on it because I do think the work and the groundwork has been laid to open people's eyes, especially in the service industry. The word's getting out a little bit more so with, you know, movements like One Fair Wage Official and, and some of this other stuff. But it's just a very unfortunate, convoluted myth that immigrants are here literally just like glad handing, freeloading, all this stuff. And to quote a comedian we all know, are, are you working hard or hardly working? He's just got a, gr a great about like people who are so racist and stupid and wrong about immigrants where he's just like, Mexicans or he's like lazy Mexicans but then they also say they're all taking our jobs yes. and it's like well which is it yeah you can't be both you know yeah. and it's it's sorry. a it's a, def it's a difficult space to live in uh to be lazy and to have all the jobs uh I have all the jobs <laughs> yep exactly um no yeah it's all these wonderful dog whistles uh mm -hmm. that's beautifully coded into people's belief system but in general I think it's just a refusal to accept the truth which is there is a workforce that is here it's it's uh it's beneficial to this country because it's not it's it's willing to work for less and pay pay out uh taxes without questioning right. it like questioning it um, and it's not it is not um just you know like for the joy of of getting some restaurant food it is our entire agriculture and farming system is right. also yes. built on the back of immigrant labor and exploiting right. that and it's like it's and at the end of the day it's like they think like there's you can't, if you are undocumented you're not getting any social services you're not there's yep, you no. can't you're not getting food stamps you're not getting welfare like these are not things that you have access to as an undocumented person that's it's impossible what kind of government do you think we have that's handing out money to people uh in any way shape or form uh those programs require proof and the undocumented people don't have that proof uh it is a td like i've i've gotten food stamps in my life I it was the hardest thing to do for somebody who was eligible to get food stamps. I could only imagine somebody who doesn't have that documentation trying to even attempt to get it. <laughs> so yeah, there's no handouts being hand like like it's like if a lot of white Americans understood that they are the greatest beneficiaries to every social program, including affirmative action. <laughs> right. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> do they, they then that would be a different story? But the case is that that everything is presented to them in a way of like. These are the people taking everything from you when it's clearly not that at all in any way, shape, or form. 
Absolutely. Yeah, it's and it's, you know, and then I think it's a specific type of exploitation that happens then in the restaurant yeah. industry where right. when you know you could, you know, when you're hanging something over someone who works oh. for you who's undocumented, like yes. you can garnish wages, yes. you can withhold yes. paychecks, you can you can scream and yell, yep. Call ice the entire mm-hmm. thing and Yeah. Uh, just yeah again just to feel just to always have like fear pulsing through your body not not have any reliability on like uh are am i gonna get fired today i don't have any rights like what i mean it's a it's a it's a lot to consume um just to be just to try and fucking make it and be happy and be stable and provide for yourself and your family it's a it's that's a, that's a lot of moving parts to to be an immigrant in the u.s and it's, you know and it's truly surprising how little needs to be done to really fix the issue the how oh, yeah. how corporations can pay out a little more without without not losing like true like they're gonna profit regardless we can even pay a little more and they still would like like if like if it's like a menu item was a dollar more at McDonald's, <laughs> then every worker there would actually be able to enjoy a living wage. Uh, but yep. yet they don't want to do these kind of things that would Jeff. Jeff generally benefit everyone involved from health insurance to just like to education support. Like they, they try to do beat way below the bare minimum and it's, it's surprising and it just sucks that we don't have a restaurant union that can actually protect restaurant employees yeah. and I don't think that's ever going to happen anytime soon because we live Ooh. in an anti-union country. <laughs> I mean, it's no, it's, it's slowly it's starting to happen. It's, it's starting to happen. We hear about movements happening all the time. Small places, bigger places. You know, we talk about Vegas a ton. Mm-hmm. They have a giant restaurant union. Everybody gets a fair wage. You can you can start out as a busser and like train your way to being a floor captain. Like they take care of their own. Um, and I certainly hope with the way things are going right now, um, it's just going to keep, keep trying yeah. and moving. Yeah. I think you it's know, it's what's going to happen because there's so many, like there's way more workers than not then. And corporations can only get away with so much. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, before we decide to burn the witch. <laughs> yeah. You know, and also let's just, none of us like, you know, whether it's your coworker, you know, a coworker, your server, your cook, your fucking boss, is an immigrant you don't have any clue what they've like fucking gone through to get where they are like like bitch you don't know my life you know kind of moment like i just think everybody just open your eyes and and fucking listen yeah you know well i think yeah there's just i think we all have it's like it's just assumed that the experience of coming to america is uh that is the gift within itself and then everything is just roses after that but it's not like you and if you're working hard and you're doing the best you can that's essentially that should be rewarded uh that's that's like that you're that's a true heart (laughs) and especially in the food industry which is so so hard i could i can't like i can't imagine so, like to work especially the ones that work like two or three restaurants and just juggle those insane hours and are just yeah. fine with it and i'm like and barely getting any sleep i'm like how do you exist how do you work so hard <laughs> how do you have so many jobs and you still are happy to be alive friendly to other human beings <laughs> and yep. if you and if you ask yourself that you should ask yourself another question to be curious what did they come from like mm-hmm. what right. did they move here from where something that i consider less than yes you know than ideal is a pure source of happiness for them yeah. then ask yourself a deeper question that this this is a step yeah. up from where they came from and that's 
the attitude we should have toward people who do want to live in this country mm-hmm. and have empathy toward people who are running from regimes, from, you know, drug lord nonsense. I, I mean, it's, ah, God, I know. We're such a but spoiled, hey. but unfoundedly spoiled group of people here in this country. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's just, you know, take a moment to, again, celebrate the diversity that we Mm -hmm. have bestowed on us in this country all the time and embrace it. And also, Um, you can always tip somebody. Uh, I always like if somebody's working hard in front of me in a restaurant and it's not my waiter, I will tip them instead, too. Like I will tip them on top of my waiter. Like if I like this doesn't hurt anybody. Like if you tip your grocery bagger, if you want to, there's lots of ways to tip people. Oh, yeah. I agree with that fully, fully, fully. Um, what a what a great learning moment we've all had today. <laughs> like, uh, Solomon, thank you so much for being with us. It's thank it's it's been a great great to... chat. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to chat. Uh, well, let's uh, let's round out the show, Andrea. You know what we say at the end of each episode? Oh, Godspeed and good tips. Thanks, guys. Good health, everybody. Thank you.